Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and I want to thank you for listening to our show and sending in great suggestions for episodes and feedback. Thanks to you, our audience is growing by leaps and bounds, and more people are able to make better informed choices about pregnancy, birthing, and early parenting. Joining me today is a quadruple threat, a budding actress, entrepreneur, certified birth doula, and birth photographer, not necessarily in that order, Carson Meyer. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited. First of all, just to be truthful, we met like three and a half minutes ago. We we did. For the first time. But I sort of feel like I'm getting to know you because we have so many clients in common. Yeah, you were one of the first people that like I heard about once I entered the birth world. Ooh, that's an honor. Um, and then it just, every time I told someone I was a doula, it was, do you know Dr. Berlin? I feel like you hear your <laughs> name almost every day. You must be doula oh, for you. a thousand people. I mean, I'm not, but it's You're, a small town. It's a small town. <laughs> it's a small town. But usually, like, a newer doula has, like, one client, and, like, three months later, another client. You're, like, racking them up. Yeah, it's been it's been a busy, like, year and a half of, of doing this work. That's awesome. And I feel lucky. Um, you, you've got a lot going on, and you really seem to be just getting started. So, And I have a million questions about each of your ventures, so I want to get in all of them in the next hour. Um, let's start with this. What order really did you start all of those things in? Okay, good question. Um, so where do I begin with my life story? <laughs> I was one of those people growing up that never – I always thought I would never find a job. You know, like I had friends who wanted to – act or they knew they wanted to be doctors. They knew they wanted to do these these things very specifically early on in their life. And I never did. And so when it came time to apply to college, it was like, you know, I was like, what do I go to college for? I have no idea. Um, had lots of interests. Always, always had been really creative, but never had my eye on one thing. So I found this school called Gallatin within NYU, New York University. And I was like, oh, I've, I found the perfect school for me because I can create my own major. So I was like, this is for somebody like myself who loves everything but didn't know exactly what I wanted to focus on. Is that a selling point of the school? It's, it is literally. So it's you are a student of NYU. Okay. But you go like, you know, some people are in Tisch. Some people are in Steinhardt. There's all these different yeah, colleges. Yeah, like specific this. schools for specific careers. Exactly. So this one is You're the career. you your own ending? <laughs> <laughs> this was careers for people who – have no idea. Don't have it together <laughs> okay. yet. Um, which, you know, you shouldn't, I guess, when you're going to college. But I, so I, I got in and I was so excited because I was like, I can begin my path as everything and nothing at the same time. Oh. <laughs> but I, it was kind of the perfect place for me because I got to continue learning and reading and experiencing, a, you know, a new city. And um, Outside of work, did you have hobbies, things that you liked oh, to do? Oh, yeah. Like I was very creative. So I was like knitting and making things and doing ceramics and I was always interested in health and wellness. So but I I got to the school and I quickly decided through my own anxiety, my own journey like as an artist and as a human. I was like I want to look at how the mind and body can work together for optimal health. Mm. Um I want to learn about how we can use creativity in a mental health field. I want to learn about um the emotional side of of expression, self-expression. Um, so I studied alternative medicine. I studied art therapy. I got to study a bunch of different classes that I don't think a lot of universities would acknowledge or offer. And it was through that that I found acting because I started taking all these different art classes and music therapy, drama therapy, and, and just traditional art therapy. And I took an acting class here in LA. And I grew up in LA. So this Hollywood. Is after you graduated? This was a summer, my first oh, summer. Oh, your of, first summer back. Yeah, of NYU. And I decided to do that while I was off. And I grown up in LA, so I was very familiar with the Hollywood. The industry. Industry, exactly. But I quickly realized that I had no idea what acting was. When I was, you started taking classes? Yeah, when I started it was taking different classes. different than what you expected. Oh, yeah, because I, I saw the business side. I saw kind of what the world sees and what someone growing up in L.A. may see. Um, but I didn't, I didn't understand that it was like this amazing vessel for people to express themselves and communicate with others and be honest, be in the moment, be truly present. And It's weird because I'm a drama major. Oh, wow. I didn't know college. that. Yeah. So you know, and there's a connection between the birth work and in, in my I find 
and, and and acting. What's the connection that you see? I I I'm starting to feel. I never thought about it that way. Well, I see. I do think when you're fully engaged and connected in your craft, there is this like loss of self in the best way, where you're completely present in the moment. You're fully connecting with somebody else, um, mm-hmm. and that's I think one of the greatest parts about birth. It's the whole world stops, and you're doing this one thing. And as a doula, you're fully present on your client, connecting a hundred percent, and nothing else really matters in that moment. So you you totally get into your role. You drop in. Yeah. Yeah. You you, you drop become in. somebody else almost. Yeah, and it's transformative. And birth is it's transformative. Yeah. Okay, I see that connection for sure. I, one of the things I loved about acting is you get to be somebody else for a little while. Yeah. And then writing, especially, you can sort of create little worlds and actually make decisions that are listened to totally. until your script gets away from you, which yeah. is a whole separate issue. But when you did acting classes, was it like stage acting or screen acting? Well, the cl- the classes was just. Acting in general. Acting. Yeah, acting, acting. Mm-hmm. My first job was on screen, but then I, I went to Williamstown to do theater and then ended up coming back here to do a play after that. Um, so I do, I do both, and I love both. But it was it was that class. Well, in theater, you can connect with the audience. Yeah. Perhaps, and like in a, in a way that maybe in birth, you also connect with your yeah. audience. Yeah, and I think or... even if you're not on stage, I mean, on stage, you do have that presence is so much more intense than on screen because it's in live time but I do think that if you're on screen you're still connecting with your scene partner mm-hmm. in that same way um, where all your attention I was I went to um, I studied Meisner mm-hmm. and all, Meisner is all about all of your attention being on the other person mm. so you're not thinking about yourself how you look how you're acting what you're feeling everything is about what are you getting from the partner and as a doula it's what am I getting like how can I use my intuition how can I use, how can I pay attention fully mm-hmm. and not be in my own body, so to say, but be fully present on my client and pick up what they need from Wow, them. two things come to mind right away. First, when you say what you're getting from your client, it's not like what's in it for me. It's the opposite. It's like what do they need from me? What do they need? And that's as yeah. an actor, that's how you, that, the best actor is what can I give you? So the two things that come to mind, one is in acting, um, we did this class where it was, this was one of the classes that must left the biggest mark on me. You do a two-person scene and you get the dialogue script from from a show. I'm dating myself, but let's say Home Improvement, okay? <laughs> and I'll get Tim and let's say um, you would get Jill, I think is his wife. I don't even remember. So um, you get the script, but only your lines are, the other lines are blacked out. Yes, that's Meisner. That's Meisner. So you, oh. you memorize and wrote, right? You memorize yeah. just yours. Your, your part of the dialogue. Yep. And you, in my case, I remember times where I had no idea what the scene was about. I thought it was about a sports car and turned out to be about a vasectomy, right? So you can't deliver your line because you don't know how. You don't know the emotion behind it until you hear what's coming back from the other person. And you're not planning for what the next, what the person's going to say, what the next thing you're going to say. It allows you to have to listen. You're you're unable to because you don't don't know know. until you hear what comes out of them. So um, I always thought that was a good thing to do with my wife, Mm. you know, to Mm -hmm. work on our communication, (laughs) right? But she is a psychologist and she does that. She talks about um, date night and debate night. Like some nights you go out and it's just like that original spark that you fell in love with each other and, you know, the birds were chirping, the earth was moving and you try to recreate that and, and rekindle that spark just by going on dates and not talking about anything that's a hot topic, right? Um, but other nights, it's debate night. You kind of sit down, and the way debate night works is you're going into it trying to find out from your partner what's working well for them and what's mm-hmm. not working well for them. Um, and in the process, you also get to tell your partner what's working well for you and what's not working well for you. But it's really going in to get from them what they want to express. Yeah. And um, it's really cool how you apply that to your doula work. Now I see why you're so popular as a doula so quickly. Um, that's that's kind of amazing because you don't know exactly what they want or there's no script that you can just say at a birth. And they know? don't know. They don't know either. You know, it's just they don't have the line ready. Right. And it's sometimes about how can you draw that from your client? How can you help them express what they need and or find out what they need? When you have that approach... It's also sometimes totally okay for it to be quiet. 100%. 
Whereas sometimes I think for a new deal, quiet makes them nervous. Yeah. The best advice I ever got in my training, I don't know where this came from, was, and it's kind of like a known saying that, but the, the best thing you can do for a laboring woman is to leave her alone. And that's kind of how I approach it. And I do. I sometimes will get in my head and be like, am I not doing enough? Should like, I say something? Should I do something? Does she need a double hip squeeze right now? Or do, <laughs> yeah. Like, but sometimes just being there and watching and witnessing and like holding space and smiling, you know, and nodding like that, I think, goes a long way in labor. And mm. it's a lesson for everyone, including myself. It's like less is more. Yeah. Sometimes. So you took that acting class, and then what did you, how you chose your own ending in school? What did you choose? Yeah, so I ended up majoring. Um, my official major is called bridging the mind body connection through creative expression. Wow, that must <laughs> um, be hard to fit on a diploma. <laughs> it it is, and it's also was one of those things that my parents and everyone were like, "Great, what are what you, you going to do with that?" <laughs> and now I laugh because I'm like, I actually have the most perfect job for. For what I majored in. And I'm, I think, one of, rarely do people graduate college doing what they studied in college, and I feel like I do. So mm-hmm. it was, it all turned it out. out. To, it all worked out. Um, but then I, yeah, midway through college, was, watched The Business of Being Born. Ah. And. Ricky got you. Yep. I know. I'm not, not the first. But <laughs> it was funny, because growing up, I had, like, always loved children and had so much respect for mothers, but I never, like, identified with it. I was really, like, it really freaked me out. I think birth to most people is a frightening thought in the way that our culture looks at it and the way that it's depicted in films and televisions and a lot of the times what we hear, it's, it, it, I always was like, what is this thing that was like some, this burden put on women that we have to do? And it, it really like, I was very surprised that I entered this field because I was not somebody that was like always, um, excited by it. Mm -hmm. But I saw the business of being born and it was the first time I'd ever watched real footage of a woman laboring Mm -hmm. and and birth. And I cried. Mm -hmm. I cried for hours. I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Wow. And I was so upset that I'd gone so long in my life. So long? How old were you when you saw it? I was probably 19 or 20, which isn't not that long, but in it was up until that (laughs) point in my life, it was, you know, like I was a grown woman at that time. I mean, most, some Women were already having babies at that time that's, and certainly so historically <laughs> had been. But, <laughs> yes. you know, I, and had I not seen that documentary, I don't know if I when the next opportunity for me to have witnessed that yeah. would have been. Um, that's a, it, kind of incredible because mo- I hear the documentary every day in my practice. Yeah. Um, but it's, usually it's somebody who was pregnant and thinking, you know, I'm not sure what my birth plan is. And then they saw the movie and it really affected how yeah. they took control of their birth. But it's different as a teenager to watch it and really um, take control of your like career. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I did was call my sisters who had two kids at the time each. And I was like, I can't believe you did this. <laughs> like what? And they were like, what? what is really wrong? Like they didn't believe, like they were like, what happened? Like, why are you crying? Like, no, really tell me. I was like, no, like you had babies? Like you, and they're like, what is wrong with her? But it was like, it just hit me in a way that, I, and I don't think that happens to everyone. You know, I don't think a lot of people see that documentary and are like, I don't know if it has the same impact on everybody, um, but it certainly did on me. And that didn't, how did you becoming. end up watching The Business of Being Born? You know, I keep trying to think of why I was watching it. I have no idea. I must have been assigned to me in a class, ah. which would make sense because yeah. a lot of the stuff we were reading in films were related to birth and psychology of birth. But then I – so I saw the documentary and I was like, that's beautiful. Went on with my life. And then I graduated, came back here to act, and was at a birthday party with my boyfriend and ended up meeting – Haley Oaks, who oh. was just on your podcast. Yeah. And my boyfriend's a musician and, you know, I'm an actor. So that's like usually the people that we're like, at gatherings with are yeah. musicians or actors um, in L.A. And all of a sudden this beautiful woman walks in and she's like, yeah, I'm a midwife. And I was like, you're what? Like, t- I was like, back up. And so all night, like I, I always joke with her. I was like, poor Haley just like wanted to get a drink at the bar and I'm like so tell me everything I cornered her like didn't let her talk to anyone else uh, and made her tell me everything and that's when she told me about being a doula and next day I signed up at Binny Birth and you became a doula my training. oh right away yeah so it, Haley is like the main I think again had I never met Haley I don't know if just reading up on you I kept thinking about Haley and her journey because you know you always 
you don't. She was very young too. Yeah, she was really. She yeah. also actually was in high school. I, I know. know. She when, was, when she I saw a different that. documentary, "What Babies Want," which I just watched the other day after I listened to your podcast, and that's what drove her so yeah. into this field. And then, like, science just kept popping up. Go this way. Go this way. Yeah. Get deeper into it. Get deeper into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, what was your doula training like? So I trained with Anna Paula at Benny Birth, That's which I is with. I know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which she's just the, the greatest ever, mm-hmm. um, and I felt so lucky to have started my journey there. Um, and then shortly after that, I met Lori Bregman, also phenomenal. Also, yeah, another great one. Just so much energy in one person. So much energy and, and so much diverse background. That yes, she and also she... built her own like oh my education. gosh, and her well her book. I read her book and mm-hmm. was like, I need to meet this woman. Mindful mama. Um, to be. Yeah, so good. And she has another one coming out, which yeah, I'm really excited about. And products now. Yeah. Smoothies. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and so she, I got together with her, and she started mentoring me, which has been really nice um, to have somebody that I can call like at any time. And because I'm I'm newer, I think it's important to have somebody with the years of experience to kind of rely on and process things with. Um, and yeah, and just since then, I've been kind of jumped straight into it. But also, I lo- what I love about it is there's just no end. Like you can, there's no end to to the education and the curiosity of this field like I feel like I can take classes and learn forever yeah. um, and Lori and I actually have taken classes together oh really which is fun you know to just do it more, like more education in yeah the we did classes? like a spinning babies you know and that's something I've I've learned from her and something I admire so much about her is that if you stay curious then that's how you stay passionate yeah intellectual yeah. curiosity what about your first birth how did you feel going into your first one well, the first one was, I had kind of a wild story for the first one, but I ended up, I actually got hired from a friend for the first one, but she was, wasn't due for a while. So I en- ended up, before yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Someone came before that and I was in the elevator of my apartment building that I was living in at the time. And there was a pregnant woman who I kept running into and she had a, another younger child with her and I was holding pregnancy books that I was reading, studying up on. Um, I was getting certified at the time through Dona and she was kind of looked at me like, are you pregnant? Like, why are you holding these books? And I was like, no, I'm a doula. And she's like, okay, well, let's talk. Like, I, I didn't have a doula the first time, but I'm thinking maybe we should, you know, I, maybe sh- I should get one this time. Um, we got together, and she ended up having her baby like a month later. And she had, I think her labor was an hour start to finish, hour and a half. Whoa. Second time mom. Um, but still, that's pretty fast. <laughs> still. And it was funny going from... When you you know when you train to be a doula, it's all about patience and staying home as long as possible, and you know <laughs> trust that like there's going to be a lot of time involved, and that's okay. And I got there, and the first thing I did was I was like, we need to go to the hospital now. Wow. And for, and this is when I like really started to appreciate and trust my intuition because I'm like in the books, it's like wait this many hours, I keep waiting, 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 and I was like, I just got to her, I was like. And her, her husband was making laugh. He's like, last time it was so long. Like, I don't want to go too early. Like, and they knew it was my first time. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, honey. Well, they don't trust you. Yeah, they're like, oh, honey. Because like, their second time. <laughs> their second time. And I knew. I was like, I'm going to follow your lead. You're going to show me everything. You've been there before. I've never even seen a birth before. And we, I, like, forced her to get in the car. I'm, like, begging her. We are driving down Beverly and... She's like, pull over. And I'm like, don't pull over. Don't pull over. <laughs> we get there. We get to the room. It was 10 minutes and the baby wow. was out. The, the doctor barely made it. So it was just one of those things. And to this day, we're, we're close friends now and they always laugh. They're like, oh, my gosh, had you not have been there, we might not have. <laughs> That's really amazing for your first birth because you usually walk in. Yeah, you know, I, I sort of have a different path to how I became a doula. But usually I think first-time doulas walk in, especially if you don't have kids. And it's just like you're doubting yourself all the time. Is this really what I think it is? Is this really what I think it is? But you were like, sure. You're like, mm, this is it. We're gotta go. That's kind yeah. of um, that comes like from deeper inside. Thank you. Yeah. And it's it's a, something I an ongoing lesson that I'm and something I'm always trying to nurture within me is to listen to that voice. But I was also kept saying, let's just get you checked and we'll come home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a part of me that was like. I didn't know, but something inside of me definitely, definitely wanted me to get her there, um, and I was well aware that 
this could not be the thing. This mm-hmm. could not be it. But I was glad that but you I was felt glad I listened. Our first birth was about 42 hours, my wife and I. And then our second one was two hours. So 18 minutes after we got to the hospital. Wow. Yeah. It was... You got to make up for it after the, <laughs> Ooh, it was, <laughs> the first one. Was I'm sure dicey. that was a relief. Yeah. And then the home birth, our fourth one was just 90 minutes start wow. to finish. Just barely enough time to fill wow. up the tub. Yeah. Amazing. Everyone's different. Everyone. Are there things that make you nervous still about being a doula? Like situations that you're, you, you do question yourself or wonder about? Um, I've struggled with anxiety in the past. Um, so listening to that voice and knowing how to differ that voice from the, the intuitive voice from the anxiety voice is, mm-hmm. is, um, something I, I work on a lot and, and try to pay attention to and try to, um, differentiate and know how to differentiate. And I think that's an important tool for, for mothers and pregnant women as well to listen to that voice. But um, there's something about birth that doesn't scare me that much. Um, Which is so interesting because up until you saw the business of being born. Yeah, it was terrified. Terrified. And I am somebody who generally, like, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. Like, let's face it. I've, I'm not the bravest person in most situations. Um, like but I'm really what, what good at kind being of brave. Situation would you feel like you're not brave in? I don't, like my boyfriend makes fun of me because like if there's like a fire in like another t- city, mm-hmm. I'm like the bags are packed, the car is running, and we're to like evacuate? driving to like okay. a different yeah state. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm very um, proactively anxious. Okay, let's say that's quite a term. Yeah, proactively <laughs> anxious. Like I'm like I have a little bit of that OCD. I always have. I've always been like the responsible kind of one in the family who always feels like I need to be in charge of everything and nervous about things and anxious about things. But with when it comes to birth, I'm really good at being brave for other people, if mm. that makes any sense. I think for myself, I don't know if I always have that. But when it comes to my clients, I, I just, there's something, all of that goes away. Yeah. It, again, it just seems reversed from, from other doulas that I talk to where they're confident in their own life, but they're, you know, they're nervous for their clients, you know, because it's not them. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes, I don't want to make you nervous, but I'm no. just saying, sometimes for that, it's like me, it's my own consequences, it's whatever I want to do, but now I'm responsible for somebody else. Yeah. You know, even though we don't do medical things, so that it's not that kind well, of Well, that's also a big, I think, relief when you're a doula. I know that nothing, you know, I don't, I don't make the calls. I can suggest things. And people ask a lot, they're like, do you ever want to be a midwife? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. I feel, I do like that I... I'm not. I'm not doing anything medical, you I'll know. Be and that very surprised if you don't end up being a medical. Really? Yeah. People say that all the time, but I do think there's like a safety in being a doula. Yeah, but it's, how long have you been a doula now? Like almost two years. Right. So it's still it's still towards the beginning. Of yeah. That. I I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know where it'll go, but I, yeah. just your energy is. Well, thank you. I appreciate kind that. Of but awesome I, if you were, I do feel very confident you know, it's around. Funny, Haley said I asked her. <laughs> I didn't take it out, but I asked her how she. You know, because she told me she was pregnant yeah. at the end of our podcast. And I, I asked her how she thinks it's going to be to be the one who's yeah. having the baby. She's like, well, you just kind of have to have a severed head about it. And I'm like, mm, I don't think that's <laughs> I the, that. yeah. the greatest term. I know, okay, yeah. let's take out still um, birth. <laughs> um, I do. I feel really confident around birth. But um, I think being the doula and not the midwife is a big part of that. So <laughs> when I met a home birth as a doula, I actually... I all the time have this mad respect for midwives because, oh, you know, at the amazing. end of the day, I'm there doing psychological first yeah. aid, a little comforting touch, things yeah. like that. But the one who's responsible for all oh, of the yeah. medical decision is that midwife. And it's such a great level of responsibility. I personally don't think I could ever do it, to be oh. honest. I couldn't be an obstetrician because I don't play golf and I couldn't be a midwife. Um, no, for lots of reasons, I probably couldn't be an OB. But um, but the doula, you know, we're able to be there and be so supportive and kind of have that confidence because we don't, it's not on our shoulders. Totally. And I think that's an important part of being a doula is being able to kind of let go of, of that worry and, and, again, be fully present in, in our clients' physical and emotional needs and let somebody else handle the safety. Yeah. I will say something about you that I also said about Haley Oaks. I feel like there's no question in my mind that you were on this planet before and you were a (laughs) midwife or something like that. You just have that demeanor and that energy and that passion about birth. And for that reason, I also – because I wonder sometimes people talk about when they're hiring a doula, when they're looking for a doula, uh, somebody who has a lot of experience or somebody who has – 
had babies themselves. Do you encounter that? Because you're pretty young and you're just not the typical, not that doulas have to be old. It's just like you don't have kids and you're young and you're an actor. Yeah. And then you're a doula. Yeah. And I I look young. Like people say, like, look, like go to the hospital and the nurses are like, you're the doula. You look 15. (laughs) Like, yeah. I would buy into that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I do. And people will ask me a lot, like, you've never had kids. How can you help somebody or know what they may need or be feeling? Um, But I actually like that because when I come into a birth, it's not I'm not bringing my own experience into it. I'm listening to the mother. I'm learning from her. And she knows better than anyone in that room what she needs. And that's important to me is that it's not about what was my birth like, what was my experience like, how did I do it? How did I feel when I did it? But it's like every birth is so different. No two are ever the same. And to be able to like kind of not have my own experience, I'm a little grateful for that in a way. And just logistically, I have so much respect for midwives and doulas who have children at home because it's a lot I of work. don't know how they do I it. I slept all day today after a birth. And like you don't have that luxury if you're a parent. So you do it. No, I mean, I stopped going to birth. Okay. I mean, I go now just for like a couple of hours and do body work and then I leave. Got it. Okay. So that's how you do it. I but... was doing it and you know what happened? What? We went on vacation and my son, who was 13 at the time, freaked out. Like he's the most mild-mannered, relaxed yeah. kid. He freaked out. I'm like, what's going on? Once he calmed down a little and he's like, why do I even have a father Wow. if you're never home? Wow. And I was like, okay, hold on. So I'm going to take this dagger out of my heart i was i totally didn't even realize that life had just picked up so fast and i'm at the office and then i make podcasts and other media and then i'm at a birth and then i'm sleeping in my car for an hour going back to the office i didn't realize it and that's when i stopped i like shortly after that closed a bunch of offices stopped doing Mm. some of the things we were doing good for you for for like listening to that and and being able to do that because it's hard i think when you get on a roll and you love what you do and you love your clients, it's it's hard to choose. And obviously you love your, your family so much, but I think about it all the time. I do like when I eventually start a family, I'm like, is this something that can sustain? Because the babies come. Babies well, come when they come. Crazy respect for for anyone in this profession yeah. that is on call and oh, yeah. has a family. I don't know how they do it. So there is that benefit to not yet. Oh yeah, kids absolutely. What about um, do you think about like with the all the different births that you go to? Do you think about what your own pregnancy and birth might be like? Yeah, you know, I I'm drawn towards home birth or certainly working with a midwife. But I I work in hospitals, and a lot of people have this conception that doulas are just you know behind a tree somewhere with mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> with, a, with a woman a tree, like but... squatting <laughs> yeah. like by a river. But I work in hospitals and homes and birthing centers, and I work with women who get epidurals, and so I've I've seen so many beautiful births in in different settings. But yeah, I I am drawn towards home birth, but I think about it all the time, and I don't know, it depends. Time will tell. Time will tell and where I'm at at that point. But All right. It's crazy, but it's time for us to take a little break. Um, join us right back here in one minute with Carson Meyer. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart. Literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and we're continuing our chat with the lovely and talented Carson Meyer. So let's talk about acting. Are you still pursuing growing in acting at the same time as you're growing in doula work? I am. 
Do you have a vision of where you want to go? Um, well, sometimes I feel like beggars can't be choosers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things where the more you do, the more you learn, and they're all, I think, experiences that can lead you to another place. Right now, I took some time to focus on theater, which was important to me because I had spent some time acting on film, and I always kind of thought of theater as this rite of passage that you had to do and before you can call yourself an actor. Mm-hmm. And so... You've done it. I, I've done it, and I did Williamstown, and I did the play, and so now I'm kind of focusing more on film and television. Do you have any theater blooper moments? Oh, I have the best one of all time. What's that? It's at Williamstown. Okay. I had, like, the tiniest role, because the way it's broken up is that you have, like, the equity actors who get paid to do theater, and then there's, like, apprentices who are younger and newer, and then you have the um, non-act actors who don't get paid to do theater but are, like, a little bit more um, experienced and older than the apprentices. So I was in non-act, which I was really, like, the, one of the greatest, like, honors of my life to get into Williamstown. I was, like, so proud of myself, so excited, and had, like, a, a very supporting part in... American Daughter's play and one of my jobs was to like come through the living room after the scene and load out some equipment that was upstairs and and bring it through the door and opening night I was like in the wing waiting and I don't even remember what happened but I think I like thought I missed my cue and I there wasn't a cue light set up which the next day they ended up uh, (laughs) putting up a cue light calling it the Carson Meyer cue light but um (laughs) I thought I missed my cue and I just like panicked for a second there you go. There's my anxiety. And I <laughs> ran through the stage, like just ran straight through in the middle of a scene, <laughs> fully in the middle of like a very like intense moment, very private moment between a couple and a scene and just walked straight through their living room. And everyone just carried on. But like I that was one of my more embarrassing moments. And maybe no one noticed that it wasn't part of the scene. But there I was on stage in the middle of a scene. Yeah, that wasn't the, the audience scene. sometimes has no idea. They will, they'll scratch their head about yeah. what was that about. Yeah, they're just like, oh, where'd she come from? But yeah. I mean, that's what I love about theater is that, you know, just someone will accidentally skip 20 pages ahead. Oh, yeah. And then <laughs> you know? there you are. Then, but well, it's what makes it so fun. I had one where I sneezed. I have, I have really bad allergies. And so I, the theaters are tough for me because mm-hmm. it's a very dusty place. Yeah. And I sneezed. And my wig flew off. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> it just fell right in front of my face, but it was a clip-on. So then I, when I got back up, it like flipped right back up. <laughs> it was just, that's oh, the fun of theater. I played a drunk, and I was a drunk Santa. And I was on uh, three or four steps, and uh, there's supposed to be thunder that scares the bejesus out of me. And then I fall and bounce down the, the three steps. But they missed a cue of a door closing. So right when my thunder cue was supposed to happen, it was a door closed, but it was too late. I had already gone for the bounce, and I'm bouncing oh, on the no. steps, like, terrified <laughs> from this door closing. <laughs> that I didn't. Then I'm laying on center stage, and then there's thunder. So I have to outdo myself in oh, my reaction to the thunder. Oh, my gosh. But that's what I love about, you know, in television movies, you just redo yeah. it. Yeah. I think pe- the audience kind of wants that at the end of the day. I think they want those little nuances and oh, yeah. those things that make the performance real. And I watch hockey for the alive. parts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What um, Do you have a preference towards comedy or drama? No, I like both. Yeah. Mm. And you're doing both? I am. Do you bit. study comedy separately? Like, do you do improv or? I don't. I've never done improv, which is kind of embarrassing. Cause you I should do it with Laurie really... Bregman. With, with Laurie Bregman? Yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. I want in on that, too. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Let's oh, do it. It's been a long time since I did improv. And then I do stand-up now. Oh, really? It's Where do you do stand-up? It's bizarre at Haha ha Comedy Cafe. And you got to let me know. I, I want to come. For sure. I want you to do a set. What are you kidding? Oh, my gosh. Anxiety. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no way. See, that's the part that, like, I got over my fear of stage to become an actor, and now I feel like I got over my fear of birth and became a birth doula. Like, there's a part of me that's drawn towards the fear, but... It's still there. Ah, the acting. So it's still up. there. You can be in our show. But stand up, that's what I mean. Like, that's a good challenge for me. I like it. I'm going <laughs> to make sure you see it through. Um, now, I'm trying to picture two things. Acting has, like, auditions and crazy schedules. When you're when you're on something, you have a crazy filming schedule. Doula, you're on call 24-7. Like, I couldn't even balance, you know, anything when I was on call. How do you juggle those two? Well, I actually... So I just started launched a skincare line. Oh yeah, that's called, what I was going to talk about next. Well, lead you into it, but thanks. 
So those are the three primary things that I do in my, my days. But it's nice. I'm I'm really grateful that I don't have a nine to five job because I don't think I could have a nine to five job just the way that I operate. And I'm really glad I found a path that allows me to create my own schedule and be flexible and also do multiple things. So with the acting, when I'm not on a job, it's just auditioning, which is here and there. And you make that work when when they come. You kind of prioritize it. But it's tough. I think sometimes, as you we just said with birth, sometimes you can't control time and you can't control everyone else's schedules as much as I would like to. And it's about learning how to say no and say yes at times that are, you feel are right for you. And I'm still learning. But I, if you're filming something and your client goes into labor. Then my dad always calls it a high class problem. <laughs> I always I'm like, well, what about this? Or like, I can't take this job or I can't, you know, and he's like, it's a high class problem when you have a role and a, a mom in labor, like you can think about You'll it. And I've had out. a few times that have come really close to that. And knock on wood, the stars have really aligned for me. But um, right now I'm not acting a whole bunch. I'm still just auditioning here and there and taking jobs when I can um, and most mostly dueling. But so it's not an issue right now. It's not an issue right now. Yeah. I'll be curious to see how yeah. how you deal with how it when I it becomes do it. an issue. I know. And I know the realities of it. And obviously, when you have to go on location, it, it can't work. But Sure, you won't even um, be here. You won't be here. But, you know, I think because of the nature of having a client for a long time, working on prenatals together, like I've had clients where we do some of it on Skype um, and kind of build that relationship. And then when it, the time comes, I always work with a backup, which I think is important. Is it always say. the same backup? Um, no, it's different. I've never had to use my backup, and mm-hmm. I hope to never have to use my backup. Yeah. But I do, you know, I let my clients know beforehand that these are, this is my life. And, every, you know, also sometimes there's road closures and people get sick, and sometimes it's not always. Right. There's always a possibility of a little exactly. bit of backup. So as long as they know from the beginning, like I, I learned early on when I was doing do the work that I have to plan my vacations like nine months ahead of time. Yeah, I haven't gone on vacation in a very long time. Hmm. <laughs> but I'm going to New York next week because I'm free for a little bit. You get a little break, yeah. a little birth break. Talk to me about uh, skincare. You mentioned Sea in the Moon. Yeah, so I'm. I recently launched my skincare line. And it's launched with a brown sugar body scrub. Okay. I got some for my wife, and she opened it up, and we both wanted to eat it with a spoon. <laughs> it's Yeah, it smells really yummy. It's so delicious. It does feel edible. And it originally, I made it with stuff that was all in my pantry. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Um, I was making it at home, taking brown sugar, coconut oil, and a bunch of other oils that were essentially edible, um, and mixing it together. And then I, we, it was something I would give to friends and family. Oh, and give to clients. And then I had this amazing opportunity to kind of take it to the next level. And I moved it over to a facility where it could be made properly and um, stabilized and produced on a larger scale. And so that's where I am now. And it's exciting. Is it, do you have other products in mind? I do. Are they already in Coming soon. development? They are. Um, yeah, they are in development, but it's a lot starting a business. And so right now I'm I have so many in mind and so many that I'm working on, but um, is there an underlying principle for C and the Moon? The behind the name or just the well, the name also, but also like the the line that you're trying to create. Yeah, for me, it's about natural products, clean products. Uh, my mom is an environmentalist, and uh, I was really lucky to grow up with a mom who knew the dangers of a lot of these chemicals that were just lathering onto our skin, and. I always steered away from from most of the products that my friends were using because of that, and that's what inspired me to start making it. Hmm. And then I think becoming a doula and learning so much about pregnancy and child development and how important it is to kind of protect yourself from environmental toxins and then the toxins that we like voluntarily expose ourselves to unknowingly. That was a big reason why I started, well, started the company. Yeah. What is the name? C and the moon. Mm-hmm. So that came, the, it's the letter C. The letter C. Carson. Um, but also a little play on words because I grew up by the beach in Malibu. And it's always been a very calming force in my life, the ocean. And my mother named me after Rachel Carson, who wrote mm. Silent Spring. She's a famous environmentalist, biologist, and amazing writer. And she writes a lot about the connection between the moon and the ocean. 
Um, how are there these forces that are very far away and very separate, but at the same time hugely connected and rely on one another? So really they're it's like a symbiotic dance happening between the sea and the moon at all times, whether we know it or not. Hmm. I was um, at, a, at a home birth uh, on the beach. Wow. Um, in Malibu? Uh, no, not in Malibu, Manhattan Beach. Okay. Um, but there were no homes, no buildings at all between their house and the water. You know, so there's some beach yeah. and there's some people out there, but the bedroom is this huge, like floor to ceiling glass uh, windows, and a, there's a balcony there, so the door opens up. And when they open up the door, you just hear the ocean rolling in and rolling out and rolling in and rolling out. And I've been to a lot of birds where they have a sound machine that does yeah, that, but, but to just to like in... literally be there, sitting oh in that tub, gosh, looking so at the beautiful. ocean, listening to the ocean. I was like, you guys should turn this into a birth center. Right. This is like the most amazing setting. And I find that waves in the ocean is such a powerful analogy when it comes to birth. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, like going it's... under those waves, letting it roll by. The fear of being under a wave, but knowing that it'll pass, mm-hmm. another one will come. Might be bigger, but it, you'll get under it and you'll come back on the other side. And um, I think that can be really helpful to some people. Yeah, I've never surfed um, outside of Google, but I see <laughs> that um, there's sort of this analogy of of I've been in water with waves, and sometimes the waves get big and you become afraid and they crash over you and yeah. you think you're going to die. Yeah. But then eventually you start to realize that the more relaxed you become, no matter how big the wave is, you, you just, just sort of yeah. ride over the top of it and you come ride, down yeah. and ride over the top and come down. You can ride over the top and also the, it, anyone who's a surfer or swimmer like knows that the deeper you go under it, mm-hmm. also the stiller it is. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to be in that whitewash. Mm-hmm. You, know? you don't want to be fighting the wave. You want to get far under it. And that's where there's stillness. There might be craziness going on below you. But it'll be still and it'll roll over you and you can come back up. And I think, you know, fighting a contraction or like kind of scrambling, like you're saying, like that is when it can be unsafe to be in the water. Yeah. And you see Um, that transition where where they don't feel safe and they're not sure it's going to be okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they find that rhythm where it's it's okay. And then it's just not violent looking anymore. No, exactly. Very cool. Um, well, I definitely look forward to more Sea in the Moon products. Thanks. Um, I won't eat it. <laughs> yeah, don't I, eat it. It just smells so yummy. I had a a friend before when, when I was making it. Now we have natural preservatives in there to keep it, um, to have it last longer. Um, but back when I was making it at home, one of my friend's daughters, because she doesn't get to have sugar very often, mm-hmm. um, and but she was using the scrub on her daughter and her daughter, she found it completely empty. Her daughter had eaten the <gasps> whole thing because she knew there was sugar in it. And oh, she had wow. tasted it before and it no was kidding. on her skin. Oh. Which I was like, do not do that. Do not so eat. nobody eat it. But also <laughs> it was like, I was like, good to know. She's, everything was good. She's you know? already, it, was, yeah. it was very pure product. But. I came home one day and my kid <laughs> ate an entire bottle of children's Tylenol because it tastes like bubble gum. So. No. Oh, yeah. Your your child, you said? Yeah, my my third kid. So we were spent oh, the night at the emergency room. My god! The problem is we didn't know how many she had because the bottle was empty, and she got. So you didn't know through. if there were one or two in the bottle before. There or, could have been yeah. thirty. We we almost never use medication. Yeah, so, so it was probably it was in a childproof drawer. No. And a childproof top to the no to the bottle, and she got in it, and we found her on the floor in the bathroom just eating. She happy as can be. She's. What are you doing? She says, I'm eating candy, but we don't have any candy there. And then she showed us the bottle. Oh, my gosh. We called poison control. They said, if you don't know how many, you have to go test yeah. her acetaminophen okay. levels. And they have to do it like every 20 minutes for an hour or an hour and a half. And um, she was fighting and screaming. She really didn't like being there. And they told her like two more. And they would have had to admit her, pump her stomach, do all sorts of things. Um, she had just under the limit that wow. her liver and kidneys will yeah. get rid of it and she'll be okay. Um, and I remember that because when we checked out, they gave us all this discharge papers. And it was sort of standard forms. And it says if she feels achy or anything, give her two Tylenol. I'm like, two Tylenol? <laughs> <laughs> you told me <laughs> that was going to kill her. Yeah. Those two. Wow. But the great thing is she didn't have a headache for like six months. So. Wow. Well, there's a fourth thing, birth photography. Yeah, that's my newest venture. Are you a photographer? Have you studied photography? I took photography in high school. Oh, wow. Like three years in high school. That was always my elective. And so I always shot film. I loved shooting film. I still do. Um, And I always thought, like, how cool. I'm going to bring my film camera to births and then do that. And then I quickly figured out film is not the best thing to use when, like, you know. 
People, people are, are labor. moving around and it's dark and it just didn't really work out. Um, so I switched over to digital reach recently, um, which is something I never thought I would do, but I'm obsessed with my digital camera. Okay. And it's allowed me to um, take pictures of my clients and actually make that a, a service that I that I do, whereas before it was more of a hobby um, and more of like a creative thing and obviously everything something everybody wants after their birth. Not everybody, but most people. A lot of people do, yeah. Um, but, like, you know, it was either, like, on dad's iPhone or on my film camera. But now I, yeah, it's like I have video births now, and I'm able to um, just kind of... Is that separate? Will you go be a birth photographer without I being a I haven't done that separately. I yeah. always just do it as a doula, but I'd love to. Because it seems like a, there could be, again, conflicting roles at some point, like... Yeah. When you reach certain peaks and climaxes where she may want pictures of that, but also wants your doula support. Totally. And that's what I say going in. I'm like, I'm your doula first. You know, like that's my priority. If you're doing both. If I'm doing both. Absolutely. Like I'm not going to be like, oh, you need me? Hold on. I'm getting a great shot. Right <laughs> um, but smile. I, <laughs> smile. <laughs> Hold on. You got this. Um, but I do. Like I think, as we know, labors can be long and there's a lot of time for kind of like sneaking a few shots with your camera. So I don't have it on me the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I will gra- get it out, get a few shots, put it away, take it out. As the baby's coming, I keep it on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always, like I said, prioritizing the family and Support. what they need. But a lot of times if the dad's right there and she's pushing and there's you know the nurses and the doctors or the midwives are all present, there's room for me to steal a few shots. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it's nice to have less people in the room. For some, it so can be... So for you to do both roles exactly. versus two separate people. Yeah, and for some people, it doesn't matter. But I do think it's nice spatially and then sometimes for people with, with privacy to already have that familiar face doing both. Do you also do, like, maternity shots and baby shots? I've been uh, photographing some of my clients during their pregnancy and friends, and which I love. So I've been incorporating that here and there yeah. as well. I sometimes see someone who wants the continuity. Exactly, so One photographer because right? you have a style. To do, so yeah. Like to get the pregnancy, the birth, and the newborn shots. Yeah. And that's especially for people that actually don't want birth photography and at their birth. I'll offer to do, you know, one or the other before or after mm-hmm. instead. Which is a nice alternative. Nice. Um, would you say you have a specific style? Of taking pictures? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm... I don't know if I even like call myself. I'm not a professional photographer, but you have um, a lot of photography training, though. I do, and it's something I love to do. And I think when it comes to birth, I'm able to have a, a good eye because it's what I love to witness and be a part of, and I I know a lot about it. Um, so for me, that's what I'm drawn to photographing. Going back towards our opening, your approach to birth is to be so, um, you know, in an observant way of trying to find out what's going on and what somebody wants and needs. Yeah. So if you apply that to your lens, exactly. then you probably pick up some really beautiful yeah. shots. Well, thank you. Um, how do you deal with low lighting? Because a lot of birth is like low lighting. dim lighting. It's, yeah. it's tough and, and it's something I come across. But again, I like I think low lighting is priority over a good shot. I Because the flash would be a little mm-hmm. jarring sometimes. I got a Sony camera that is really great with low lighting and I was so I'm so grateful to the guy at Sammy's camera because I really wanted a different camera just because of course I was like more concerned with what the camera itself looked like and the brand of camera and all that and he's like no like this new Sony camera is the best for low lighting because I told him what I was shooting and he also like helped me with lens and he's like you know when you're shooting pregnant women you don't want to get a lens that's gonna enlarge her Mm -hmm. so even that like I don't use a zoom lens which can be hard in birth but it's also important to me that the lens doesn't distort mm-hmm. the, those images. So you have to be up close and personal. Yeah, or not, you know, and, and I get wider shots. But, yeah, I mean, it would be nice sometimes to be able to, like, go in the corner and mm-hmm. zoom, zoom in. in. Yeah. But all my clients, and sometimes it took me a it took me a minute to feel comfortable shooting births because I did feel sometimes like I was being invasive. Obviously, I had my clients' permission, but I didn't want them to ever feel like they had to, like, smile, you know, present to the camera or like maybe it was an intimate moment and that I was coming in and taking a picture of it. But most of my clients always say they didn't even, when I show them the pictures, they're like, I didn't even notice you were taking any. Um, which, that's the best. That's the best. But it's also like when you're in labor, you don't notice what anyone else is doing. Like, <laughs> Well, I don't know. I think because you're also a doula. So like you ha- already have a strong relationship with them, a calming presence for them. So the fact that you're taking pictures, it, it's easy to lose sight of that, I yeah. think. But um 
it could be harder, I think, with somebody who comes in just as a photographer. You may not have as warm a yeah. relationship who doesn't have another role besides taking pictures. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I wonder. I've I've been to more than one birth where a mom thought she was going to want a lot of mm. photography. And then it sort of became obvious that it was making her uncomfortable. So, Interesting. Um, and then I've been to other births yeah. where they didn't have a photographer and they regret they it later. They so I guess these are some of the things to think through before you make that kind of yeah. choice. Yeah, and also it's, I think it's really important to be able to know that sometimes you can change your mind and that's okay. Yeah, even if you have something that's suddenly making you uncomfortable, you can yeah. You can exactly. Opt out. And opt out or yeah. like be like someone pull out your phone and take some pictures. Oh, oh on the and other now side. You can do it yeah. The other side. Yeah, good thinking. I'm glad you came tonight. <laughs> um, well, you're charming and really nice to talk to. And um, I love your quadruple thread of things that you're doing there. They all kind of go together somehow. It's like uh, they're, they're by themselves, they look like disjointed puzzle pieces, but it's really um, a complete puzzle. Thank you. I feel the same. Where can we find you online? Um, well, you can find me. My doula website is www.carson-meyer.com um, for scrub for seeing the moon products. It's www.c the letter c and the moon.com, and my Instagram is at cc meyer. What's the other c? Chapman, my middle name. Oh, my mom's maiden name. Cc Meyer. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, thanks so much for being Thank here. Thank you so I, much. I feel like we're going to have you back at some point. Oh, I hope so. I'm bummed it. it's over. It went by too fast. Well, then we'll definitely have you <laughs> I back. could talk to you all night. Well, I, oh, thanks. It's mutual. We'll have you back and we'll play a clip of your stand-up comedy. Oh, no. Awesome. <laughs> at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, send your suggestions to info at informedpregnancy.com. <laughs> I got a whole lot of questions for you This kid's gonna test my will I got a lot to learn and my brain